0: Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every Maybe way. the miners.
1: Sure. I mean, they're like three years old. Miners, not miners. If you eliminate
0: the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth.
1: <laughs> I don't, don't want to kill you.
0: What would I do without you? Every
1: time someone says, I do not believe in fairies, somewhere there's a fairy that falls down dead. We're women who aren't afraid to fight, to stand up for our dignity. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact.
0: There are no colored bathrooms in this building. Simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. Life will not be contained. Life
1: breaks free. Words are in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible
0: source of magic. Hello and welcome. This is Bite the Pen. I'm Jen Hansen and sitting across from me is Charlotte Martinez. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Jen Hansen. Oh my god, we're not doing this every time. (laughs) (laughs) I was supposed to come up with a little like thing to call you by and I did not and there's a reason for that and I would like to explain that reason. This movie made me really angry.
1: (laughs) How did I know that was going to be something like that?
0: I was like, this would work great for a film that we both connected with in some way or there was like a really cool point but we struggled just to find some things we like so I didn't want to I want to bring you down
1: we could have started with Hi, Charlotte Martinez. Oh my goodness. Do we have to talk about this? I guess we kind of have to talk about this. How do you feel about talking about this? And I would reply, oh my God, Jen Hansen. I feel like I don't want to talk about this, but then we kind of have to talk about this because it's just that
0: bad. You know what I'm saying? I think this is you talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) That does not sound like me. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But speaking of which, I think we're going to begin talking about Fantastic Beast to the Crimes of Grindelwald. We both are going to mention things that we did like. Yes. And then we're going to move on. So, do you want to go
1: first? Sure. Because I only have two things. Oh, well, I oh, mean, there'll be a few when we start talking about things. I'll be like, okay, well, they could say about that. But the two things that stuck out for me, this is just me personally, I'm a big fan of Jude Law. So I thought he was well cast as Dumbledore. And he, I thought he portrayed it pretty well, too. The Dumbledore that I imagine from the books and the ones that um, I saw in the films, I feel like he did a good job with that. Because he's not, he's not sinister and he's not too coy. He's pretty reserved but wise. And I feel like Jude Law did that pretty well, even though he's really not on the screen all that much, to be honest. And then the lines that I read in the screenplay... That Dumbledore says aloud.
0: Aloud. Aloud. He He says says them all out loud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, The lines felt like Dumbledore lines. And actually I can read one that I found. Please do. He's talking to
0: Newt on the rooftop. Cue Harry Potter-esque music. Do, do, do. that's jurassic park oh, <laughs> i don't remember how the harry potter do, do, one goes do, 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 do. nice there you go yeah? okay so sing and read at the same time <laughs> <laughs> so he tells newt you don't
1: seek power or popularity you simply ask if the thing is right in itself if it is then i'm must do it no matter the cost mm. so it's just something that i feel like dumbledore would say totally and he has these nice mottos throughout the film and
0: yeah it feels very dumbledore to me yeah so i was like all right good job that makes sense right because he's the only character we really know who's from harry potter right meaning he's already pretty well developed so it would make sense that jk would we know knows him. him yeah so well so maybe that's why maybe it comes yeah. across I mean, that comes across. It's natural. Yes. Because she spent so many years with him and everything. Yeah. That's cool. So I did appreciate that. Nice. The end. What nice. about you, Jen? I guess that was really one thing, right? Well, yeah. It was all <laughs> Dumbledore stuff. <laughs> Mine was uh, one of the images or the imagery in one of the scenes. There were these black banners that fell. It was basically like the equivalent of when you see Voldemort's skull in the sky when he conjures his followers and everybody's like oh my god we gotta get out of here it was kind of that equivalent um and i thought that in the scene basically you have these like black silky banners that drop down all across the city and i thought that that imagery was a lot more gothic and i think it, it i don't i don't know i guess i just really liked it because that felt like an actual dark thing yeah as opposed to some of the other images and imagery that she uses in this one that feel a little weak. Um, and normally, I think it was the sort of... Like in Harry Potter, it felt like some of the imagery was kind of weak. And that scene in particular with the skull in the sky, I thought that was really kind of silly. Um, and it didn't look very good. <laughs> yes, we're evil. Come yeah. to the evil thing. And not even that. I mean that. But on top of that, how they actually... Created it in the oh, film. Oh, I see. I thought it was very not very, but it was pretty poor. And I was like, okay. I
1: <laughs> <laughs> <You> started laughing.
0: <laughs> I laughed a lot in the theater when everybody else was like, <gasps> "I'm like, come on, guys." <laughs> you guys see the skull in the sky. <laughs> Whereas I thought the black banner is like falling across the city, and this idea that the matches couldn't see it. Right. So all these magical people basically are like witnessing a change of environment. While the rest of the town is a town, the city is feeling it, but not seeing it. Right. Oh, I thought that was also very cool.
1: And they use, they use banners and drapes and there's a lot of cloth being used in this film. Did you notice? No. Um, Another, (laughs) another image that pops up for Lita Lestrange is the baby in the ocean,
0: right? So it's always like this Mm. flowing. Which was different in the script. Okay. Do you remember that? Tell me. In the script, it's a hand. It's a baby's hand. Oh, that comes through the veil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah that was kind of creepy when I read that. I, yeah. I thought it
0: was kind of silly, actually. Oh, like, really? Oh, I'm glad they didn't put that in there. Oh, my God.
1: That, it, that terrified like... me. Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, maybe it
1: was the way it was written, but oh, I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad they didn't show that. I just imagine,
0: was... <laughs> like, a tiny little baby hand being, like, right oh. out of the curtain of Okay. mystery that it makes... just didn't strike me as a very powerful image that makes me feel better yeah. i was
1: I was terrified by that i'm but, so um, sorry no no um and i'm glad you brought that up because i kind of forgot about that yeah. <laughs> but yeah and so there's that image and then um oh uh the, the scene where credence finds the nanny his nanny his old nanny oh they're going yeah. through a, this really beautiful like laundry it looks like laundry but it's it's so beautiful that i wouldn't think it's like oh that's clothes i think it's like bed sheets or something that's being hung but it looks so flowy and beautiful and those happen to be white which is very true contrasting to the black conjuring veils but right it's all throughout
0: the film i noticed huh yeah nice nice catch yeah thank you that's i mean i think i mean i know like curtains were used a lot Or cloth in that in that way were used a lot in in Gothic literature. Really, that was one of the tropes that we. Well, I don't know if it's a trope, but like a what do you call it? Like a thing that you see in a lot of Gothic fiction. I didn't realize that. I loved that class, and we talked about how it seemed like in every single one, almost there's a there's a scene with curtains or with veils, banners, and any kind of like hanging cloth material. Interesting.
1: Is that supposed to symbolize an obscure vision? Like, your your vision is being... Well, I don't know. I guess it could mean a few things. But I always thought that veils meant literally veiling something.
0: I, I definitely think that's one of its meanings. Okay. I don't think I would use that if I were trying to be super clear about something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting. But it, I think it's just an ominous image to some degree to see, like, dark or black curtains moving. Even white can be kind of ominous because... What was it? Was it in... I don't remember what it was in, but... Maybe it was in Aladdin because we just saw it. But there was, like, a curtain scene where, like, yeah, it was in Aladdin. There's, like, these two scenes with the curtains, uh, the, the uh, not curtains, sorry, the laundry hanging.
1: Oh, okay. And, like... Oh yeah, and that's that? how he gets. Sorry, that's how Jafar steals the lamp again. Yeah, he like goes through the curtains. Yeah, he takes it from him. And, and
0: that's a very gone. like it's whipping around and it's ah. kind of spooky, as opposed to like something that's billowy and pretty. Right. I don't know why we're talking about cloth so much, sorry. but it just it
1: just yeah, it was something I had observed.
0: So. I I liked it. Sorry.
1: No, I'm glad you brought it up too. That it was a gothic thing because I had yeah. no idea. I just like assumed the cinematographer was like, "This looks cool. Let's use it." It's it probably a theme there that throughout too throughout the film because there's. So not so much we can hold on to in this one. Yeah, man. On. So, that was all the
0: good stuff. Yay! Dun, 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 now dun. get ready. <laughs> and it's over. So, moving on. <laughs> Where do you, do you want to begin? Where do you want to begin? And do you want to begin?
1: I kind of want to start zoomed out a little bit. Okay. Um, because I uh, personally think that maybe the biggest issue here is that there were too many balls in the air. I know we, a
0: gay boy who would disagree oh with you. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did not Oh, my gosh.
1: Anyway, continue. Um, because in the first one, mm-hmm. um, I can't even say balls anymore. Um, <laughs> You just did. <laughs> in the first one, there's only two balls in the air. Right. Um, And I feel like this one wanted just so much, wanted to do so much that they just threw it all up. And they were like, oh, I'm sure some of them will land fine and... It'll make a cool thing later and we'll tie it into this and this and this. But that's not what came through. So that was a huge mistake. Do not throw that many balls in the air because we cannot follow that. And it doesn't, it doesn't do the trick. There is no trick from all those balls. <laughs> so that said, I'm, I'm saying that too many characters were introduced and then we didn't develop those characters. Mm-hmm. Three of which we knew something about from the Harry Potter universe. Which three of those? Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Since we talked about him. Nigini, who is the snake, the, um, her, the Maledictus. The Maledictus are the humans that eventually become permanent
0: animals. animals. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well. Good, good research. Because oh, well, I had a little sticky note here. It's awesome. I would never ever thought of writing that down.
1: <laughs> I think the dude says it in the circus scene when yeah. he's introducing her. It's like, yeah, she's right. an dish. She'll eventually be trapped forever as a snake. Right, right. So we knew something about that, right? Because mm-hmm. Nigini is in the Harry Potter series as a snake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then Nicholas Flamel, who oh, just yeah. has that one thing that he does.
0: <laughs> so cute. He he's cute. wobbling around, little... 800 year old man
1: i didn't actually mind his role i think that's a cute little like that's appearance. the harry potter i miss yeah the jk I miss <laughs> so those were the three that we knew yeah but then some additional ones here um leta lestrange
0: right theseus newt's brother and leta's husband which is stupid we'll talk about <laughs> that in a while
1: um and then we got uh what's his name yusef uh comma oh comma yeah mm-hmm who's supposed to be Lita's half-brother. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good job. It already feels like... like this weird opera, anyway, which is
0: which would be fine if that's how we started. Right. That's all I'm saying. Right, we started that way. This is totally acceptable. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so sorry. no,
1: this is true. That's what I mean. Like I'll, already, that's too many names. Right, I should be stopping right now. Yeah, but guess what?
0: If there's more,
1: <laughs> and a lot of them which don't make sense. Uh, that beast hunter guy oh that God. appears for all of what two minutes. Uh, his and name his, is Grimson? So,
0: Really? Well, first of all, his name's Grimson. Like, really? You couldn't think of anything more original <laughs> than Grimson? And then, yeah, he, like, gets really threatening with Newt, and then it, like, comes to nothing. So, i was like, yeah. why are we... Okay, I whatever. I mean, it sets
1: it up that they're, like, arch enemies, because right. he's the beast hunter, and Newt is the beast finder. I mean, beast protector.
0: And your, your thought was that maybe it's a setup for the next one, yeah. that he becomes a bigger foe. And I think that would save whatever they were trying to do if they were trying to do that that's or true anything
1: else we could be happily surprised in the next one <laughs> she's rolling her eyes you can't see that but she's rolling her eyes <laughs> you was supposed to tell them that <laughs> oh sorry I'm just kidding just no. because i'd be rolling mine too yeah. like oh yeah maybe they'll do that oh, yeah and then um the two ones that kind of just appear momentarily are bunty which is oh, yes. the assistant in the beginning also very awkward. And... I have some ideas about that. Good. Let's yeah. talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Irma, who was the nanny. Oh, right. From...
0: Who they killed off for no reason. Right. There's absolutely zero reason to kill her off. Right. That's, yeah. See? See how many <sighs> names isn't... is that? Right? Yeah. Plus there's like, well, is that all the ones that you wrote down? Yeah. Am I missing some? Well, there's there's the like character that we're, that uh, uh, Grindelwald is unsure if he's faithful. Oh, yeah. Who walks into the fire. And then there's, like, a couple other of his new followers that are specifically named right. by J.K. in the script, which right. I think we talked about this last time. If you name a character, it's because you're going to use them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you get the names that you see on the credits when a movie rolls. Like, the in Aladdin, there was, like, Clumsy Girl. <laughs> that was one of the character's titles because right. she didn't need a name because she's not talking or she's not important. So, I mean... It's a weird mix, and I think we'll also, again, talk about this a little bit later, of a book versus a movie. Right. Um, Some basics that are surprising. Right. And to keep in mind that this is not a
1: book. This is a screenplay. Wait, this isn't a book? I know, right? (gasps) Did you not read this huge novel that involves these additional eight characters?
0: I think if I had, I would have liked this movie.
1: Yeah, interesting. Maybe I would have too. Yeah. Because then you fill it in yourself and right. things start making more sense. And-,
0: and you know that it's been thought out and that there is other information out there. It's not just like pulled out of a hat. But it is. Right. So that was my huge uh, zoomed out point. Gotcha. So now if we want to zoom in. Gotcha. Um,
1: I say we start with what you want to talk about.
0: Oh, God. Um, well, Bunty. Let's talk about Bunty real quick. Sure. When I watched the film... the first time in theaters it was with you and two of our friends and i really liked bunty and i didn't know why everybody was like so harsh on her because i thought she was cute and she's like you know helping run the the suitcase the animals that are in newt's suitcase Mm -hmm. um and making sure they're all taken care of while he's away and i really liked that idea of a character um and i thought she was kind of quirky and again like a very jk style character and Then I thought it was, I mean, even though I liked her, I thought it was weird that she was there. And then reading the script really helped sort of identify, I think, what J.K. was trying to do. Um, In my opinion, it seemed like she was trying to highlight the idea of, like the Red Scare in America, um, when we had that. That Bunty is sort of willing and able and maybe excited to report things to makusa or if she goes the other direction
1: oh i was Um, like she
0: does since when okay cool because well i mean just based on their conversation she like immediately i should have brought my book i'm so sorry she immediately says something to him um about how she can report it and he's like no 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 it's cool you don't need to report this okay it just seemed like that jk was trying to use that character to highlight the political sort of state that they were in where people are ready to report on on each other and on things that seem out of place kind of like the you know if you see see something say something i don't i don't know if i remember any of that
1: oh which it doesn't mean that that didn't happen i think i was very distracted by the the fact that they made her like gaga eyes over newt and that was distracting Mm. because they, they made it seem like she had a crush on him and he doesn't care, which is fine, mm-hmm. but also that she was trying to impress him, which was weird, mm. and that she appeared in that one article as an unknown unknown person, and I feel like that's going to be a part. Like, like she, she wouldn't just mention something like that and then drop that character. I have a feeling like, you're right, she might turn bad, in which case she knows a lot about the creatures, and that can be useful for the dark side. The dark side. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. Is that what you were talking about? Not exactly, but I think that's part of it. Okay. I mean, she's unstable and she's in a political climate where they're more apt to doing something like that. Like during the Red Scare, it was, um, you know, if your neighbor seems like they're doing things that are... Communist? Communist. Oh. Oh, Thank you. (laughs) Like um, if they're they're acting like a communist in any way or you suspect they're a communist, you can report them. And then the government will go and investigate. Okay. So um, you, so she's more, you're
1: thinking she's more of like a, a spy type then.
0: No, I'm thinking she's, she's unstable. That she's somebody that you could easily rely on as a writer or a filmmaker to use ah. to get Newt in trouble or to report something too soon. Or, you know, she's a really good setup for that because she's sort of wide-eyed. Got it. Yes. Okay. So that combination <laughs>
1: then with the fact that she's like, Falling for him in like a very unstable
0: way. Yeah. Uh, or I agree. She just Or she's obsessed with him. I don't even think she's falling for him necessarily. Obsessed. Yeah. Which is the unhealthy version. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly.
1: I am all. Yeah. I follow that completely though. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's happening that I forgot? But you're right. That's just in in the case where the sides are chosen going forward, she can be very much persuaded into the dark side.
0: Yeah. Wow. Or even to be used by Makusa. oh right i mean i don't think it both are sort of problematic right obviously one is more problematic but they're both these weird governing exactly power hungry yeah jk hasn't set up a kind of dumbledore's army yet right it's still sort of macusa versus grindelwald and then there's newt right (laughs) you know and he
1: says himself i don't take sides right interesting which
0: he'll have to eventually and they'll force him to be in that hero role but that makes sense Right.
1: Okay, cool. So that's Bunty. So let's assume they will bring her back up at some point in yes. the third one or, you know, sixth, eighth, whatever. Um, so we did mention how there was a setup of Newt having a nemesis of the Beast Hunter, and he appears in one of the beginning scenes where Newt's brought in with a whole bunch of other people who who aren't identified really. They're supposed to represent Makusa, and there's like this weird this weird thing where they're trying to get Newt to work for them. And I don't understand any of that because it's not it, it doesn't help the plot. It confuses us on who we're supposed to be following. And it gives Newt this weird option that doesn't feel like an option, you know. Like he doesn't need to be in this situation, and they're not giving us a reason why he should be. Anyway, so it's all very confusing. But then the fact that they just throw this other guy in there, and there's this other weird atmosphere of rivalry that suddenly comes out. But we don't, we don't know any of that. I'm, a, we are just assuming all of this because Newt says, "What is he doing here?" Oh my god. And like, I don't. So what? There was this. Beast hunter, and that's all we know. Mm -hmm. Um, and and he does play a role because he follows Credence for a while, I guess, trying to spy on him, which
0: comes to nothing.
1: Well, he's, I guess, he's working for Grindelwald, right? Because there's that one alley scene where Grindelwald's like, you know, how's the boy doing? And like, oh, well, I just killed the nanny, so done, but I also didn't capture him, so Makusa's gonna be mad at me, so he's like a double
0: player, of course. In the Indiana Jones movie that everyone doesn't like for some stupid reason, um kingdom of the crystal skull you have indiana jones assistant guy who's like a triple agent oh that's right right? he keeps changing (laughs) he keeps changing sides that was in that silly little movie that was an effective version of that kind of character grimson doesn't do anything i mean even if he's uh even if if jk is using him to further the plot in some way it's not i don't buy it it's dumb she's getting cheap with it in my opinion right he brought nothing to the table. I remember when we were watching it with our friends, we were all like, "Who am that guy?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, he's in the beginning." Yeah, right? we forget all
1: about him. And then you're right; he doesn't play a role later anyway. So why should we remember him at
0: all? Why, why? <sighs> and the BS reason of this is an in between movie where the next one's gonna like pay off on everything. That's not how movies work. I mean, that's the cheapest form, right? The best trilogies have a story in each one, and the the plot gets more complex and answers things within that and also begs more questions. That's the difficulty of making a trilogy.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much material to work with anyway from the first one, because the first one was so well done. And we have the core four, and then we have two core villains, and they are nowhere near developed as they could be. But we still throw in all these other characters thinking like I don't know what they're thinking actually but if it's for spectacle if it's for more drama it and if it's to make it feel more like a book that's definitely not what happened
0: I feel like it could be something that we've talked about before especially with Aristotle about writing I think it was Aristotle writing what's best for the for the story not what your intent is right um, agenda Agenda. that's the word um it seems like they're riding towards an agenda yes it does okay yeah so let's move on
1: to this whole brother theseus old love interest Lita lestrange okay. and then the idea of like comma being somebody who's gonna avenge a mystery yeah (laughs) they're so okay this is where it starts to feel like a soap opera and it and it's just inserted in there in this really
0: uncomfortable way that we don't follow at all what what are your thoughts about i that was my brain exploding um (sighs) it's stupid it's unneeded Uh, we have different feelings about this but i don't personally like the idea of love triangles I think they're boring, and maybe that's partially because it's always straight people. And they're like, I don't, there's a whole lot of reasons why I could not like those. But I didn't find that very compelling, especially since it didn't actually add anything to any of the relationships. And they didn't play with it at all. All right. They had... A- ample opportunity to too like the
1: whole um newt trying to be his brother to get into the ministry you know how in harry potter they play with that so well because they they get to explore like what is it like to be in their shoes for this amount of time newt literally is his brother for two seconds just to get in yeah and nothing comes of that yeah i'm like that's that's character development completely missed out on yeah so it's not you're right it there is no love triangle here it's just the feeling or the idea of one that's thrown in there
0: which isn't necessary. I don't I, think it is either here. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with... Not that this isn't what they were saying, but it definitely felt like they were trying to imply that there was a romantic relationship between Newt and Lita. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I we say your name wrong. But it, I think it would have been perfectly fine if Newt and Lita were really good friends and then Lita started liking Theseus and it just didn't work with all three of them. You know what I mean? Like, I would be even more compelled to see a friendship that was lost. Ah. It doesn't have to be romantic. Right. Or what
1: about the theory that maybe Theseus didn't need to be in there at all? I would totally take him out. Uh Uh-huh. And what would be lost? We're trying to think. There's this, maybe this idea that Newt has some history with his brother. Who cares? There's that. But I was going to (laughs) say, that doesn't develop his
0: character, so. We met his brother in the first movie. His name is Jacob. Oh, Remember we talked about this. That's right. If Theseus, at the very end of this film, if you haven't seen it, you're not missing out. Um, Theseus and Newt are left behind together um, after Lita has died, we assume. They might just bring her back. Um, And it's, like, this scene where they're supposed to be, like, coming together. And then in the script, all the magical people are working together, and Jacob is just, like, off to the side. Oh, God. And... This would have been a perfect opportunity for Jacob to be for for Jacob to take that role of brother. Mm-hmm. That's way better than having an actual brother in this mm-hmm. case. Um, it doesn't
1: Theseus doesn't matter. Exactly. And that's not even Theseus's fault. That's the fact that we spent no time with him. Totally. We know nothing about him. There's nothing wrong with Theseus, but we don't need him, so that is definitely not our fault. Right. It was just not there. Yeah. You can't you can't like something that's not there. Yeah. Period. Um, and that's what, yeah, I, I thought that kind of about Kama too. I I just, you know, he gets a big expository scene maybe where we feel a little sympathy just because he's telling us <laughs> that he wants sympathy. And it's horrible what he's saying, but nevertheless, he is saying all of it. He's explaining it all in this one very long scene oh of God. flashbacks. The most stupidest scene ever. That's a cop-out. That's the yeah. biggest cop-out I've ever seen where everybody's standing in a tomb and it's, like,
0: expository! Home! (laughs) There's, like, these old promo photos from Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show where they're all, like, in a graveyard and, like, some are, like, leaning against tombstones and others (laughs) are, like putting their like face on their chin on their chins on their hands and like everybody's posing that's what it felt like in that scene (laughs) like they were all like hanging out together in the middle of this like they're in a mausoleum (laughs) and they're all just like talking about everything and that's usually what i want to see but never like that right like that was my issue with the marvel uh civil war right right it was so annoying because it was just like three men who wouldn't talk to each other (laughs) like if you just sat down for three seconds and talked to each other you could solve all this see that's more annoying in some ways because that's an entire plot predicated on i don't know really unhealthy masculinity right whereas this version is just a cop-out like you said right there's not even i can't even like begin to get into it because there's not even that much to get into yeah no material they're just like eh. They'll just talk about it. They'll all get together, all of our characters, and they'll just uh, talk about everything. And we won't see them very much of it. And when we do, it's all flashbacks, and we don't know what the hell is happening or care. It, and it it if it's so hard when there's no
1: sympathy for our characters to be involved in any of that. It felt like a bunch of people talking and the audience was like oh maybe we should excuse them mm. that's what i felt like i'm like i don't need to be here right uh, it's not <laughs> it, it's so weird it's so weird how that played out interesting um, and you you could be right it could be all these little setups for another movie but that's not okay
0: i kind of i i kind of wish that it isn't only because it will really truly indicate how poorly they created this film series right and i would be disappointed if it wasn't that too because that means they're not good at filmmaking either you know there's no (laughs) like upside to this exactly unless they like kind of like are like okay look we know we messed up here's a third one that's more like the first one yes that would make me feel so much better then i'd be like okay cool you guys are back on track Maybe you consulted David Yates or J.K. Talk to someone to help her with the screenplay. Yes, yes. <sighs> Deep breaths. And
1: it's it's as easy as letting some of those balls drop. Yeah, you you can get a great juggler back in there with three balls in the air, and let's let's focus on our core. Four. You hear that, little
0: boys? Your balls <laughs> need to drop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I am definitely looking for a different metaphor Sorry. next time. <laughs> yarn? How about yarn? You toss some yarn out and uh, they get tangled. And if you can't detangle them... Oh, I like that better. I yeah, better, actually. There we go. And three three strings of yarn make Strand. a pretty strands. <laughs> three
0: strands of yarn. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Sorry. <laughs> Tend to make a very beautiful braid.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I just came up with that. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Even just getting back to our core six would be nice. Yes. I don't really... I just I it's not this well I'm jumping ahead no actually let's go ahead and talk about that because I feel like these other characters will come up as we talk okay I mean I guess one of the things I wanted to talk about is a film versus a book and this is a great a prime example of especially juxtaposed with Harry Potter of how to do something successfully and how not to do something successfully (laughs) <laughs> how to I, do I something you. successfully and not how to do something incorrectly uh, yeah okay, okay. okay. I'm um harry potter is a great example because you have like a plethora of information and then you have really good screenwriters and developers and product uh, producers Um, A lot of different people coming together and sparsing out what the most important plot points are and making it accessible for people who had never read the books, um, but giving enough information or enough, like, goodies for the people that did read the books, right? So it was a really good combination. I had never read the books when I saw the movies, so... I watched all the movies knowing what I knew from the movies. And i it wasn't like when I watched Lord of the Rings where I was confused. It was still very digestible information. Uh And I didn't feel like something was missing. Like it always felt natural. And then I read the books when I was an adult. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I actually like some of the film choices they made better than I liked in the stories. Um, And I think that's partially UK versus US to some degree, I think. Uh UK writers they still there's still I mean not that there isn't here but there's still a lot more um, sort of open and accepted sexism so in the books I felt like that was better reflected whereas in the films I feel like they kind of and plus Emma Watson is such a strong advocate for feminism and women's rights that I think it kind of counterbalanced any of the inherent sexism oh my or at least some of the inherent I, sexism. I
1: think I agree with that. I, I think, never you know. thought of that before, but I agree. There was something about the movies that came out much more uh brighter <laughs> than the books. Oh right, I, yeah. I love that.
0: A little yeah, it was I didn't feel I mean, you know me. I watch everything kind of goes through my sexism lens first uh-huh. and if there's too much of it i can't really get into something or it takes a lot of convincing myself that this is worth it right or picturing some of the male characters as, as female. female characters. that's always nice we were watching enterprise and i was like they're totally hooking up i mean they're both female but you know and they're both dating other people but they're totally hooking up that's how i get through some shows totally. you know so in harry potter i think all of the films um, even the first one that was by far the, like the, the corniest, I think they all successfully did that. And then you have Fantastic Beasts where you have no literature, so you don't have 600 pages from a book. You've got, what, 300 pages in the first one, and that's mainly white space. That's the rule in screenwriting, more white space than black space, which is kind of racist, but whatever. <laughs> um, you could use blue ink, okay? <laughs> so more white than blue. So, I mean, I feel like if we had 300 pages um, for Fantastic Beasts 1, and that was the film that they made, in that situation, the film would still be good. And without having 300 pages of text in the first film, it was still good. But in the second one, that's when things start to fall apart. And that's what happened when J.K. was writing Harry Potter, and it worked because of that in book form. But she started with the the shortest book is the first book, and each book gets longer. And that's because she's she's taking all these different strands
1: uh-huh. and
0: putting them together in intricate ways. Uh-huh. And she has the space, the page space to do that. And in screenwriting that's just not possible. You just you have to keep things on the simpler side unless you're making an epic, right? So Lord of the Rings, unedited each one is about four hours and that actually makes sense because there's so much text and that's actually honoring the work but it's also again based on like thousands of pages right not just from lord of the rings but from like the cimmerillion and from the hobbit like they're gaining i mean they're taking a lot of information and putting it and funneling it in and that's again not the case with fantastic beasts so and even sorry can i jump in? yes please sorry even if it
1: was based on a book I don't feel like our core characters were authentic in this version. She was, What what is it that you say that they fit the characters to the situation and not the situation to the characters? Exactly. And none of the core four felt like they... Themselves? Like themselves. <laughs> even the things that they did. You know, the biggest examples for me was Newt and Queenie. Newt does a lot of things where he's grabbing Tina's
0: arm. Oh, right. And, he, and that one Once scene... Once you said that to me, I was like, oh my god how did i miss this first of all and 300 points to charlotte and then also my god right newt would never like pull her along like she's not a child and we already established that she's the tough one and he's sort of the sweet one so if anything it'd be the opposite exactly so what now he's like hyper masculine right oh poor eddie redmane he's doing his best I this know. is not his fault
1: because in the movie I, I didn't see any of that i didn't see him grabbing her arm no even if he did he he didn't make that like a like a no masculine thing like oh you will follow me now of course not but when I was reading it I was like oh hell no he didn't in the
0: side yeah he would not do that he would not do that and he
1: would not say some of those things like oh you better look away it's gross like no she's an orer
0: yeah
1: I mean yeah
0: I mean I could see Harry Potter saying that yeah for sure sure. and like any other like mansplainer who's like oh this is gonna be hard for you little lady (laughs) but like this is nude he's not supposed to fall into those same pitfalls exactly and then with they well actually all four of them
1: all four of them now that i say it
0: well what's the queenie one
1: queenie one is they may they make her out to be crazy they keep saying the word crazy and that's not her in the first one she's a little bubbly yes but we see that in a dangerous situation she knows exactly what she's doing so this whole like crap i'm sorry this whole thing where she's She's, like, going to this, um, what is, it? she's trying to find her sister, and she dumps her bag out in front of this airport lady. Airport lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think
0: of as, like, the airport. The yeah. <laughs> They're at MACUSA in France, right? right? That's where they are. But it looks like an airport lobby or something. <laughs> it totally does. And she's, like, looking for something, and she drops her purse, and everything falls out.
1: And she's, like, all ditzy about everything.
0: And I think I told you, sorry, I hope you don't mind. If I no, jump in. tell me. Like, I thought that that was a setup. I thought that was Queenie being clever. like she was in the first one because we see a similar situation where she kind of flirts with the guy and he's like okay you know and then she he lets her go so I totally thought this was a setup and then it it does nothing happens it just gets worse from there yeah that
1: was definitely I think a situation where the writers were like you know what we need somebody to do this so we're gonna pick Queenie and to be manipulated very quickly um, because even that scene with Grindelwald and her doesn't make any sense like she doesn't even say anything she doesn't say like oh but I love my sister." And I think what she does is important. Oh, but I love Jacob. And he's happens to be a nomad. You know, all of this should be going through her head. None of that comes
0: across. And she's just like... Oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> Plus, I would like to say that I wasn't convinced by the the conversation, he, the, what he was telling her. The manipulations he used on Credence were far more extreme and far more uh, devious. Yeah. And what he was saying to her was very like, okay. It's like, <laughs> if somebody like came up to you and was like, I got something to tell you. <laughs> No, if you give me 10 bucks, you know, it felt like that. And she's like, oh, my God. But like you said, we kind of see it established in the first one that she's very clever. And that's why I thought that, the you know, the trouble with Tina, her being kind of like scout would be better because it does sort of feel set up that way in the first one where Queenie is sort of the adult. And she's taking care of the house and she's kind of taking care of everything and she's not being wrapped up in things. She's not. She's very centered Mm -hmm. and grounded, and that's what allows her to be ditzy. And that's why we like that she's a little bit bubbly. I would say bubbly, not even ditzy, because she's very much her own person, you know. Sorry, now I'm going monologuing again. No,
1: (laughs) that's exactly what I was thinking the whole time. And if we were to write fan fiction, I feel like our scenario would have had her with Jacob and Newt the whole time looking for Tina Right. Like it makes sense that she would be part of the investigation, good side, and not this weird no man's land where she eventually joins the dark side for n- no reason whatsoever.
0: Oh, some of the one of the things that we talked about, which I think would would have worked a lot better, is if Jacob later had been taken by Grindelwald for some reason, as opposed to Queenie leaving on purpose. Yes, because that would at least makes some sense <laughs> it would make more sense and it would keep the core four
1: intact right like, they are resolved they are the good side and now let's follow how they're going to beat
0: the bad side and let's go save the nomad yes. like what because how is they all love him how is that not a good call to arms right i mean that's a great setup for the end of this one like we need to go save jacob and that's it would it. speak <laughs> to the moral the moral question too right because the war is about mages and exactly no-madges. exactly
1: I'm like, wow, why not use Jacob? Instead, they have him, like, complaining about being hungry the whole movie and losing Queenie <sighs> to the begin other... with, right? Okay, tell me. Tell me what you have to say about this whole. You tell me what you have to say. <laughs> that, that's just it. Like, yeah. Jacob, like, they give him the hungry line the whole time. And we know he's an active player. We, we like him for everything he is. And they don't use that in this one at all. Um, and the fact that he loses Queenie right away, so he's just kind of tr- trying to get her back and not really worried about these other things that are going on. You know, I'm like, no, he he's involved. He was involved in the first one. He can be involved in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, in, I mean, something I mentioned that, something I mentioned when we talked about the first one is that I felt like he was a really nice representation of what America used to be, that we could be optimistic and go for things and have gumption but that we're not foolhardy and there was even you know a little bit i thought i I wasn't sure if it would work that they used his weight a little bit as a joke in the first one but it worked because it wasn't actually laughing at him right you know it was it was kind of a like here's the situation you know like i didn't feel offended by that yeah Um, yeah I thought it was kind of sweet and he, he's it's nice to see diversity on screen anyway so whenever they're not yeah. being called fat or not all the humor has to do with them eating or doing things that are physically difficult for them that I, I really like that and then as soon as we get into the second one every step of the way he's hungry and Newt is like shushing him yeah we'll get some food later buddy it's like what happened You guys were like brothers. Yeah. Like super awkward. Newt doesn't like very many people. I would say he even liked Jacob. He likes Jacob more than he likes Tina. I think he's more confused about why he likes Tina. (laughs) But like he likes Jacob. He's liked him since the beginning. So now Jacob is just a joke. And Newt is just having to like carry him. Like that goes against the whole point. Right. The whole moral. And yeah. I
1: feel like both actors do really well. And what they have yes. for the beginning scenes when they're together, yes, because that comes across at the beginning, and I'm yeah. like, oh, good, some of that old fun. relationship yeah. fun is coming through. But then, of course, as soon as we're off into the adventure part, it's it's gone, and it's not further developed. and And you're right, that last scene after the huge the huge meeting with Grindelwald, it would have been great to see those guys as brothers in that moment but everybody's separated and the separation doesn't make sense and it doesn't help any character development it's just scattered it's kind of like you're you know throwing out a bunch of marbles and saying like okay well those two landed together so now we're gonna go follow those two
0: which is kind of funny because there was an old writing exercise that we used to have where if you couldn't kind of figure out what you wanted to do you would write down a bunch of different things and put them on slips of paper and then throw them interesting and then just kind of pick up some randomly and try to make a story out of it Uh uh-huh and it's like they did that, but then they picked them all up. And we're like, we'll just use all of it. Might as well. We've got oh, two hours. Oh, my
1: gosh. That's exactly what it is. That's the best metaphor yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yes. And I like your suggestion that if they were to fix it, they need to drop a bunch of those exercises and, and know that there is relationships that should be followed you characters have characters that need to be followed. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: You, you have... You've already established some relationships that we really like. So why, why try to keep – why try to create more when you can develop the ones you already have? Exactly. And then organically you can introduce some other relationships as you go. Right.
1: And then just to mention Tina real quick too.
0: You know. <laughs> Tina. You know Tina. I remember that one. <laughs> Who doesn't have a role. She
1: – I agree very much. She doesn't – I don't even know what's going on with Tina, because if she was, again, it's really hard to work with this kind of character um, for any actor, I think. But if we were to follow any sort of originality from the first one, you, do you ever notice she doesn't ask about Queenie once? She's like, what sister? No, she never says that. But oh my God, the whole time I was like, are you not worried about where your sister is right now? That's she crazy. never
0: asks about Queenie. The three of them never talk about it. No! Which is insane.
1: I don't understand. I'm like, what? So you're not, you're, in my mind, that's not That's not a family. I don't understand how you could have developed such a great family in the first one and then have it all dropped. So much so that she, in the screenplay, there's actually a description that says Tina can choose between, like, observing the meeting with Grindelwald from over here or trying to go save her sister. And she, like, it's not even a, a, there's no choice. Like, she goes straight to Grindelwald. Like, her job matters so much more than, oh, yeah, I forget. My sister's, oh, is she, oh, is she turning to the dark side? Well, who cares about that? There's no, you know, there's no, <laughs> I just don't understand that at all. That was the part that just threw me out
0: completely. So I kind of forgot about Tina. you No, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I didn't actually notice it until you said it. And then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, how did nobody ask about Queenie? Especially since the whole beginning is the three of them getting together looking for Tina. Uh-huh. So the idea of the three of them, the, th- the new three getting together, Tina, Newt, and Jacob, you would think the first thing they want to do is go get Queenie, right. right? Because we just went after Tina, and then we lost Queenie, so now we got to go get Queenie. But that's not what happens. Um, and there, there isn't even an argument... I mean, uh, a debate for Tina that we see. I were one of those people that went and found Tina. It was like, right, they get, they find Tina's trail, they follow her, they get imprisoned, they get out. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah, all this is happening instantly. Yeah. yeah, this all happens within minutes. Right after that, my first thing would be like, you know, maybe one of the characters is like, we gotta go here. And be like, wait, <laughs> we gotta go get Queenie, you know? That would be the first thing I did. Or at least ask about it. Well, like, I mean, that would they be don't nice, even have, I mean, yeah, that
1: would be ideal. Yeah. But even asking, by or the sp- way, Jacob, where's my sister? Right.
0: Yeah. Or splitting up. I would have been fine with them splitting up. Yeah. Because at least we know that the core four are trying to get back together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would have accepted that too. Yeah. Again, fan fiction. We yeah. will rewrite this. Oh, it should have so been so much written. work though <laughs> i know i know i know
1: or is it just because there's so many things that we've already discussed
0: that could have worked so much better i wonder if we could go through and like black out all the things that don't work in the script first right and then just kind of fill in as we go i like that that's better yeah we could do that if uh if people support our podcast we'll have enough money to <laughs> spend a week Working on that. Yeah, give us money and yeah. we will rewrite this movie for you. <laughs> That's great. I agree. We will totally do that.
1: um Shall we talk about then the dark side? Yes. And the characters in the dark side? Yes. Again, not much better. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Credence, we got Nigini, and we got Grindelwald. Oh, why do you want to start?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had a note that said that I should talk about the missed opportunity of Credence. Ah. And I don't remember what that is. (laughs) Do you
1: remember? I feel like what we were discussing there is the obscurist thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Right? Yeah. So I think the missed opportunity of Credence is in the title of the series, which is Fantastic Beasts. He transforms into an Obscurus. Uh-huh. And he has that quote ability which is mainly just a burden at this point then that's what we should be be that's what we should see him confronting or trying to fix or hiding is that this obscurus keeps taking him over small or big it's maybe he's having nightmares where it wakes him up but he's fighting with this inner demon um, and Nagini is a really great support for him because she knows what it's like to transform, mm-hmm. and she's had to do that since forever. We're assuming, and she's not just a token Asian character. She actually has a purpose, um, and she's not just throwaway character because she connects to Harry Potter, but that she's a real character. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, and that she she helps Credence try to come to terms with things, tries to accept things, tries to develop ways to, you know, do a countdown, you know, like panic. I mean, I talked about how it's like panic attacks, right? His Obscurus is a metaphor for panic attacks. And they teach you ways of coping with panic attacks to be able to come out of one. And I don't see why we wouldn't enjoy seeing Nagini helping or trying to help him do that. And it would be much harder for him to sneak around if he keeps changing, which is a good thing for the story. But instead, he's looking for his lineage, which was confusing because why? And then B, why? (laughs) I mean, on the list of my priorities
1: after having escaped near death where everybody wants to try to kill me because of this ability, Mm -hmm. my first thought wouldn't be like, where's my parents? It would be like, how do i survive as this thing so i agree 100 percent and that the whole lineage thing happened to be the tool for this whole prophecy element that has to do with grindelwald and dumbledore oh don't even get me started on any of that but that's why <laughs> that's why i think we had to go with that we're like oh he's looking for his lineage okay because of this thing which is much bigger, but character wise, it doesn't make sense.
0: Right, because we're putting, making the characters fit the plot. Exactly. And I, I mean, I think, I think plot, this is a more of a, you know, philosophy of writing, I guess, or of storytelling, but I think plot is the fun stuff plot is where you get to see your favorite characters or the characters you hate doing things and it can be really exciting it can be like really fantastic it can be really dark but that's like the creative part and then your your characters are the meat right and they're the like staple that actually brings you in because if you don't like the characters in a plot you're not going to watch it but if you like the characters and you're not super into the plot you might still watch it because we relate to characters we don't relate to plot like we do characters exactly sometimes we relate to both and that's like a great once you get those two to working (laughs) together it's like hell yeah perfect yeah so i think for them to be doing this whole intentional thing i mean um what did you call it again oh agenda agenda i don't know why i can't remember that they did in my opinion like what they did what i sometimes accidentally do in brainstorming which is here's my midpoint so I'm going to work backwards from my midpoint because I want that plot to happen. Right. Instead of focusing on your characters and seeing where they want to go towards the midpoint. Right. The end. Sorry. I love Deep that. Deep <laughs> No, yes. And
1: I'm so glad you said all of that about Nigini and Credence because that's the movie I want to see. And even if Nigini felt like the Obscurist was a tool. So let's say she, she does go to the bad side because that's kind of how we picture her now as the snake. Right. So even if she was trying to... Let him control it for a bad reason. Right. Because right. she likes the idea of power and like, oh, now you can do all this cool magical stuff. I wouldn't even mind that because she's still helping him. Right. Like cope. Yeah. And and, and then we can see the Obscurial as something that's pretty fantastic. That's maybe beastly, which can right. tie into Newt again. But not even that. We don't even get to see that. So
0: do you want to talk about for a minute our, our other idea <laughs> that connects with Newt? Okay, (laughs) I'm just crying. Yes. Here's the tissue. So,
1: let's, yeah, let's zoom back out here and think about how Newt's role in this plays out and why. You mean soap opera? Soap opera? Mm -hmm. Because even that doesn't feel... Genuine. I mean, I guess I could have rolled with the fact that if they were looking for Tina, Newt would want to look for Tina, too. I'm assuming that she was in some sort of trouble, but that doesn't happen either. And that's besides the point. (laughs) But he is the writer of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right. That's the whole premise of this is that he's writing a book about beasts and he's trying to teach others about what he discovered. And we see that he's a scientist. He's described as a scientist in the first one, which is now out the door in the second one.
0: And the best kind of scientist, like the really kind, caring scientist, not the like, I'm going to torture an animal to find out if this works, you know, he's deeply caring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's
1: such an original concept. Yes. So I'm like, let's see where we can take that. Um, so it would have made sense then. Our theory was that well, why why isn't Newt pulled into the drama, because he wants to help Credence discover what an Obscurial does and is for him as a person, and then for the creature side of it?
0: Because that'd be helping both Credence and the creature, the yes. beast.
1: Yes, and it makes sense because they drop that in the first one. They actually say that he's studying one, right? Which again, we don't actually see in the second one at all. That's right. completely dropped. Which but is it would such get a great in. hook, right? It's such a great hook, right? And it would make sense then that he would go and find Credence, right? And I'm kind of surprised that when he sees Dumbledore, that Dumbledore doesn't even ask about his book. Like, by the way, student <laughs> of mine, that was probably one of my favorites. I'm assuming, right? We're yeah, not right, sure yeah. what their connection is. But like, that would have been nice if the book
0: was brought up by somebody. Well, yeah, and uh, the the whole idea is he's writing the book, but by the end of the first one, the book is written. Right. So, done. <laughs> Great. Like, I loved your idea of, like, this idea that it's kind of like what you see in a TV show when they take a break. When you come back, it's, like, six months later, right? And so in that time, Newt has been studying the Obscurus he does have, uh-huh. and he's been trying to figure out more about it and he's maybe traveling or he's doing something um besides just sitting around in europe to to understand what's going on with the obscurus and it makes sense that his next step is to meet with credence because he's found as much as he can find now he has to actually you know study with credence exactly and he's still not taking sides in that case exactly he's on the side of somebody who needs help exactly yeah that's newt that's the character we know but none of that happened no yeah. Don't you guys like our movie so far? I our know. movie is so much better.
1: Again, we can write this for yeah. you. Yeah, or true. just for
0: ourselves. But, yeah. like, it would be nice to see. We could do, like, a table reading of it. Aha! <laughs> That'd be if you got all the actors to come. Oh, in my God. Like,
1: I meant our, our friends,
0: but, you know. Oh. oh, yeah, our friends will do fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that was
0: my fantasy version of how newt is involved it doesn't just make logical sense it makes emotional sense it makes character development sense it makes climax sense for the second film and for the entire series if his next step in the journey is studying the obscurus firsthand then that's what the second one is about and we end we can end in the very similar way where grindelwald has begun. Right. Officially, so then in the third one, then we can be introduced to lineage or whatever the fuck they want to do. It's just too quick. That's not again not a book series. These are movies, much different medium. How <laughs> holding her head. I love it. I just yeah. I already see this whole movie
1: rewritten. Well, on that note, then should we talk about Grindelwald a little bit? I sure. also want to talk about your opinions about the Lestrange. So don't let me forget that. Okay. But Grindelwald. What about him? It's stupid. (laughs) Great. Let's move on. (laughs) Lita.
0: Johnny. Poor Johnny Depp. I never thought I'd say poor Johnny Depp. But he's got all the money in the world and he's like slept with all the blonde women ever. And he has nothing to do in this movie. He must be bored out of his mind. Like he's just doing this for himself, I guess, because he doesn't need the money. Really? And it's not his best work because... I mean, what he did, I always compare it to Sweeney Todd. Because ah. I feel like in Sweeney Todd, he really became Sweeney Todd. Ah. I didn't even feel that way with Captain Sparrow. Ah. Like, I felt like he was good at it, and I love that character, don't get me wrong. But Johnny Depp's best for me has always been Sweeney Todd. Excellent, excellent. Comparing it to that, I'm just like, what has happened? Like, are you bored? Did you break your foot? <laughs> and You just need some extra money? And Like, why are you doing this?
1: I, and you're right, it's not his fault, but also when he's reading it, I, it's hard to imagine what what subtext he's using or what what backstory he's giving himself because it there's nothing to work with there. Yeah. And I'm thinking that if we are interested in a compelling villain, we never feel any sympathy for him. It's this very surface like villain that we don't know at all. Right. And he just makes a bunch of speeches that sound very Hitler-like, so we're supposed to fear him because of that. Stupid. I, and yeah, I mean, one scene, if I, if we started with him in a, in a dream where he remembers something about Dumbledore and about their friendship and about how Dumbledore didn't want him to do
0: something or how he wanted something and Dumbledore didn't. That he misses Dumbledore. Yeah. That he misses that relationship, even despite everything that's happening, for him to still have love. True love for Dumbledore would immediately make me feel completely differently about that character,
1: right? Yeah, and it would it would feel like a compelling villain? Right, you would be invested in him. You would have some sympathy for him, and That's true. and we can't like. There's only so much we can fill in with him and Dumbledore. I don't understand, despite their
0: horrible little. Clip that they tried to use is, uh, I Which, guess a, I don't know. What that it, could have been really cool if there was a relationship. Totally, you know. I don't. Yeah, and that would have been such a great opportunity to see both of them, in both of their lives, real time missing each other while seeing you know Dumbledore looking back at that relationship like that would have been a great midpoint I think for that for that storyline because I don't believe anything about Grindelwald at all like it's hard for me to even imagine that his relationship with Dumbledore was real yes because all we've ever seen like you said is like extreme villain there's absolutely no contradictions oh yeah I mean you know what I mean yes exactly Exactly. he's not conflicted He's like, I'm a psychopath, everyone. And I'm like, okay, so all of your relationships have been false. You've only used people. This is what psychopaths do. Great. There's no sympathy in that. I don't give a... I like that idea of having
1: some flashbacks in there between him and... I mean, they can both be having these flashbacks or these dreams. However you want to put that in there. Totally. That would be a better use of of story and flashback than this whole Lita Lestrange and baby missing. (laughs) I don't need that. I would have been more compelled with
0: this main villain and main hero. Agreed. Because we again we don't care about credence's lineage who the hell cares yeah totally. that's not why i signed up <laughs> like why does he care so much prophecy? all of a sudden what prophecy i don't what what is that stupid <laughs> prophecies good lord i don't know why she keeps going it's just recycling her material <laughs> a kid a young boy with magical powers is, wants to know more about his parents does that sound familiar to you
1: <laughs> not at all Let's i did make think a whole so. series on
0: this <laughs> good lord
1: well, then on that note, so Lita Lestrange, there's some good stuff, right? And then there's stuff that didn't make... Yeah, tell me about that. You t- Well, you tell me what you think. I think there was a lot of potential there. Yeah. That's kind of all I have to say about it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can start going to fan fiction galore with her, too. Right. But that's not to say that we didn't get any of that. She just became this weird element of a triangle that we didn't see <laughs> and a potential bad guy which we didn't see. <laughs> Tell me. I don't know what else
0: to say. I don't. Part of me was so happy to see a diverse female character who had lines, who looked like she was going to have a role in the film. And it's just so sad because then people are like, look, there's diversity. And I'm like, yeah, (sighs) but no. okay, (laughs) she didn't have a real role. Everything was about she didn't pass the Bechdel test, right, which is two female characters talking about something other than a man. Or relationships with men. Like, it had to be completely... You know, she didn't pass that test. um, Mm -hmm. And she was the one I was hoping would. I love that she's a dark character who's, like, conflicted. You know, that's my favorite kind of character type is a conflicted, evil character. Maleficent being an example of that. We don't see that nearly as much as I wanted to see it. I was going to say, it's almost like they hint at that. Right. And some
1: of that childhood stuff and people gossiping about her.
0: yeah. Yeah. If there was any lineage I was interested in, it was... Lestrange her being a Lestrange and being friends with Newt that's about as far to the lineage as I cared about that
1: is so much material already yes and that was a great flashback I thought yes actually. that worked Indeed. well yeah
0: that they're both these sort of you know out of place it kind of reminded me of like a flip of uh, Harry Potter's mom and Snape Yes. When they were young. Oh my gosh, that's totally what I thought. And that's my favorite storyline out of everything. Because it's so sad, but it's like, you know, I love Snape, so. Like, it was like the reverse of that. Like, that would have been great. Again, there's not a lack of material here. It's just not choosing to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this whole thing with the baby swap and the flashbacks and... Going down on the Titanic and then, <laughs> like, I just didn't give a fuck. I just don't care. Well, um, it
1: felt like another plot that we didn't know about and that was explained to us in a scene that happened before a climactic scene that didn't feel like a
0: climax. That's exactly right. Why are we listening to this? What's going on? What's happening? Uh, yeah. And then she dies. Yeah. So yep. it's like, cool. We had a lot of opportunity while she was alive. We had a lot of opportunity for her character to grow and interact with these other characters. I would have been really interested to see how she interacted with Jacob and with Tina, even with Queenie. Like, I feel like her and Queenie could have even been sort of, like, clicked a little bit. Yeah. Like, there was so much potential. And then also for her, Lita, to be connected to Nagini would also be another place where she might click. Like, she's the perfect person to be drawn right in the middle. Yes. Credence does not feel like he's in the middle anymore. Maybe he did before, but not anymore, because he's just a mess, and he's only interested in his parents, even though he's got Nagini. He doesn't really seem to care about her all that much. Yeah, exactly. (sighs) That whole scene where people
1: start choosing sides, I'm not buying any of it because we don't see any of the relationships. There's no development in any of them. So when they choose things, other than my core four that I was invested in in the first one, and when all their choices don't make sense... That even threw me out further. I'm like, none of this is believable. I don't understand. So you're just like jumping. It's like hopscotch. You're
0: you're jumping to a square just because it's there. (sighs) Yeah, that whole scene was very frustrating. Yeah, there was a lot of frustrating scenes. We rewatched it and were confused by the first scene. We were like, maybe it'll be better the second (laughs) second time because sometimes movies get better the second time. And we like paused it after the very first scene. I was like, wait. (laughs) What just happened? I don't understand. There's a tongue and it's in a vial, but it's not a tongue. Oh, no. The vial's the blood oath. Oh, that's the oath that happens later with like Dumbledore. And- okay. So that means it can be destroyed, but they said it couldn't be. So I'm a little confused because that didn't work with Snape when he did the undestriable oath. There was no vial. So is it not the same thing? It was very confusing. and That was the first scene. It only really honestly got worse.
1: And also, like, why didn't Grindelwald, like, kill that one guy? And he, like, seemed to whisper something in his ear before he, like, threw him out of the carriage. And, I yeah. I just, yeah. There's so many questions in the first scene that there's yeah. nothing that can be done.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, the number one thing that, for me, that was missing, that really should be the key to everything, are the beasts, the creatures. Um, that's the title. There's something called a premise promise. I think we talked about this at one point. It's a very simple screenwriting term, and it's where you make good on what you're telling people. That's why people get so frustrated and disappointed when trailers don't fit the film that they actually go see, because that's sort of a, a dis, not a disservice, but a, uh, what am I trying to say? A scheme? Well, yeah. <laughs> a marketing it's, scheme? Yeah. it's Well, there's that, but it's it's dishonest. I mean, it feels like you're being lied to because you are. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh yeah, I mean, like, I feel like we talked about that. We
1: we were redesigning this whole movie around that premise right. that let's think of Credence as a creature. Or I mean, not like... No, yeah. Not him, but like his obscurial. Sorry.
0: Well, no. I mean, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he's a creature, ah, but he's also a person. Yes. Um, I think that's true of even Dracula. I mean, this is a very old storytelling device of the monster. yes that's perfect... Medium. That's exactly what we should be focused on. Yes, is the animalistic side or the beast side? Because then Niginis' presence would make sense.
1: Exactly. Um, we could play with this fact that maybe Grindelwald is underestimating Newt's role, mm-hmm. because in the first one, his creatures are his his tools. Right. And those are the things that are underestimated. It's his creatures that wipe out a memory of a city. It's his creatures that steal things. Because then it would it would
0: totally make sense then for Newt to be the main character still. Yeah. And for him to be involved with Credence, who is involved with Grindelwald, who is involved with Dumbledore. I mean, it all connects that way. Um, and it's a really easy thing to connect them with. And not easy as in that's cheap. Easy as in that's what we should be focused on. Because it's simple and it makes sense and it's and that's clever what we signed up for and it's clever yeah it's new
1: i mean harry potter we get a lot of good creatures but they're never in the focus. main storylines or mm-hmm. in the i mean they're never the main focus that's right. exactly right whereas fantastic beasts
0: They've been in the first one, they've
1: been a main focus and main players.
0: And they they like almost if uh, that beginning scene of the second one almost felt like a little like, here you go, because he uses a magical creature to get out, which they call a chupacabra, by the way, which is not what a chupacabra looks like. (laughs) And then he just he he, Grindelwald gets rid of it. And that's fine because I get what they're trying to do there, but that's not helping us. In the storyline, it's not helping us see Grindelwald as an actual real person villain as opposed to like the cartoon version that you see. There's so many opportunities where Grindelwald could be harnessing creatures in a negative way. Yes. To be doing things, to be the the whole banner scene, as much as I like it, that could have been involved with a creature. And what did I tell you? The symbol on the banner for Grindelwald is a dove. (laughs) We're talking
1: about fantastic beasts.
0: A and you choose a dove. <laughs> which is A, not magical. B, what the hell? <laughs> and you're using a dove, like, that's like the most overused animal symbol. You got the Bible in there. You've got, like. <sighs> I mean, even Dumbledore uses a phoenix for his family. I mean, it's not
1: his choice. His family line has right. a phoenix. And that's. There's so much
0: packed into a phoenix uh, folklore. Yes. There's symbol, the symbolism there is strong, yes, and maybe a little bit overused. But I would prefer to see that used in the film as opposed to not, mm-hmm. especially since it's like the last thing that Grindelwald mentions to what's his face, Credence. Why Why are we just bookending with magic? Like the name of the movie is Fantastic Me, that's exactly what did you call it? Where they just throw it in there, just like here you go, yeah bullshit.
1: <laughs> that's not what I called that's, it. But. That's what the creatures are in this film. Yeah. They're just like little like throw-ins. Um, the thing that can like scale New York within minutes, which looks like a lion.
0: That's great, but again, thrown in there. Right. They could have cut that out and it wouldn't have made a difference. That being the, the difference between using it as part of your plot and using it as a throwaway, as a way to appease your audience. Because they've agreed with you that they would go see a movie about fantastic beasts and the whole circus thing did you want to talk about the circus thing i really liked it i wish they had used it more um or not at all (laughs) exactly i
1: was like because as it is it felt like a spectacle the the circus where credence and nagini i guess we're assuming met each other there and they're treated as freaks um, as usually the circus players were treated like that but yeah you're right in a magical world we could actually see creative creatures and how they're being treated.
0: In that sort of
1: atmosphere.
0: Yes, because then we're getting another view into how the magical community is treating these creatures. Exactly. So Newt's theories can then make more
1: sense to us if we
0: saw that. So at the end of the mil- movie series, when he publishes his book yes. for the first time, uh-huh. this will all be part of that book.
1: Yes. That needs to be the through lines, and it's not. He finishes the book in the first one. It's done. And we never hear from it again.
0: The book is done. I don't even know why we're following, why he's there at this point, if the book is done. You know what I mean? That's the whole, it's like if Frodo went and took the ring, and then everybody is like, okay, guys, let's get together. We're going to meet with the elves. We're going to get the dwarves involved, and we're going to journey to Mordor. And Frodo's back, and he's like, okay, I mean, I already threw the key in, but if you all want to go do that, go for it. And then we spend 12 hours doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. Why <laughs> is
1: that so much? Because, yeah, it would have been nice if the the through line then became about this metaphor about how we treat beasts similarly to how the magical people treat the no magical people. Because that's what it's turning out to be is this gigantic war. Right. Which also wasn't quite focused on enough for, I, I mean, don't buy to have it, to this big scene with Grindelwald saying, like, look at this war that these humans are going to eventually come to. Do we want to see that? So they're throwing in, like, historical war in there. See that? It just doesn't Cut work.
0: Out. Yeah. And we don't see very much of it. So right. he he just tells us. Right. And, I mean, we know what the war is, but we don't feel it because there's nothing there.
1: Unless it, we go with one of our fan fiction versions where he, like, steals Jacob, like, kidnaps Jacob. And there might be, like, words between them where we get to see that idea of that war. <sighs>
0: That would make so much sense. Ooh, that would have been cool. Like he's using he, it's not what he intended by taking Jacob, but then he sees his memories of war and he can like project those <gasps> that like it's only going to get worse than this. Oh, my gosh. Like, I think that would be I mean, that would be displaying Jacob's worst memories and <gasps> his worst fears For the community i mean he's now got to deal with maybe something he regrets doing in the war oh my gosh that's your idea (laughs) that was not what i was thinking but i mean what i want to see now right because then we actually feel that the war is a problem we know the war is a problem don't get me wrong but like it doesn't connect and in this case we'll it's developing character as well right because we know jacob has some sort of like
1: post-traumatic we don't we don't we're assuming that just from the tiny bits of stuff that came from the first one
0: which you don't even see in the film but you read in the script right just fyi Uh, but it's a great premise yeah uh, because that makes sense for his character yeah and maybe why he even fears marrying queenie to some degree i mean what whatever's holding him back is connected to his ptsd which is a very real thing it um, doesn't matter if you're in the 1920s, PTSD has been around since war has been around. Exactly. I want to see that. <laughs> that is a
1: complex character development, which then feeds into a plot, which makes the plot complex. Right. Not not because it just just to have it as a plot complex. Right. But because it fits this character development. Right. And it happens to, to feed into like a villain, a villain's plan. Right. You know? Wow. That yeah. was good. That was excellent.
0: Remember, you can donate money to us, (laughs) and we will write it for you. We'll both take a week off of work (laughs) if you make enough money for us, (laughs) so that we can pay our bills, and we'll uh, we'll get started on that. That sounds like fun. I know, right? Uh (laughs) We obviously have all the material. It wouldn't take us very long (sighs) to plot it out. This was a hard book to read. It's very
1: hard. It's hard to read, even more so when. You're coming up with things that you wanted it to be.
0: I mean, I'm more used to that, I think, just in terms of not seeing representation. Yeah, sorry. But that doesn't mean that it's easy, especially when you know it's not going to get any better by the end of the book. Yeah. <laughs> because you've seen the movie. I just would offer, there's a lot of interesting ideas that people have on Reddit about what the prophecy is about, um, which I found interesting, but only interesting in the fact that they're trying to figure it out. Yes, not because it's actually that interesting in the story. Exactly. I mean, that's I. I feel like that makes sense because there's nothing else to grasp at totally. in the story. I think so. that's what you said last time, yep. which I like, because yeah. yeah. I think that's true. Yep. I think that's true. I like I said I couldn't. I usually can complain about something in the social arena that was so bad that I couldn't even get to that. It's been a long time since something has done that. <sighs> it's so bad that you can't even like get mad at them for being sexist or racist or anything <laughs> because you're like it's so bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it makes it even worse just because the first one was so well done.
0: Exactly. I didn't like it at first, but then I it took a few viewings and I started to get it. Like, I went in with the wrong mentality, right. which is usually the issue. And to be fair, we tried that with this movie, we too. Do, we did. We did very much try that. And we just saw Aladdin, and we both went in with very low expectations, and we both enjoyed it. It was surprisingly good. I liked
1: it. And we were surprised in all the right ways. Right. I wasn't even thinking of some of the things that they put in there. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't even know that's what I needed to see. Exactly. That's how you should be feeling in a theater. That's how you do a reboot. Just sidebar. Um, So, speaking of which, that leads us into our next project, which is exploring the original stories, the adaptations, the movie versions of aladdin and the the source material is a thousand and one arabian nights i think it's called aladdin and the wonderful lamp or something something
0: like that i think
1: there's different versions yes which is why
0: we're going to read different versions
1: yes and watch
0: and we get to take kind of a
1: breather from this universe of harry potter for a while
0: and we'll return to it because november i think is when the third one comes out oh wow um so we can maybe have something ready by december um, but I am very excited about Aladdin. I am so looking forward to it Because Aladdin. we can start talking about, like, folklore,
1: specific culture, and how we're adapting, translating to suit the people's needs, the time's needs. Yes. Until then. Yes. Is
0: that everything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Okay, bye. Bye. You can follow us on Twitter at BiteThePen, or if you'd like to email us, you can reach us at BiteThePen at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, please tell your friends. We appreciate everyone who's listening and supporting us. You guys are amazing. Thank you.